me how your legs? They're pretty tired. Pretty tired? Pretty, <laughs> pretty tired. It was exhausting. <laughs> you walked all over in New York. I hate that. I was to say, there was like zero context to that when it started. <laughs> we just uh, came back from New York Comic Con, so that's why our legs are a little bit tired. Yes. We did a lot of walking. Not only around the city, but around the actual convention, which is huge. Yeah, the Jar- the Javits Center is enormous. It's massive, man. It's and it's 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 several rooms, several of, levels, several levels, several rooms of exhibit halls, artist alley, the Photoshop people. I mean, it's crazy. It's 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 definitely a show to go to. Yeah, it was on the bucket list. Next one is San Diego Comic Con, but yeah, yeah, very happy we went to New York, and I think we'll go again next year. I'm down. Yeah, and hopefully I can make it this time. Yeah. I'm down here. Yeah. It's funny because we did go to New York Comic Con and Paul and I were having conversations. And just as a carryover from Daytona Comic Con, which our good friend Tom does uh, every year in Central Florida. These are my exact words. I feel we've become a little bougie collecting. And that's what the premise of this whole podcast is going to be about. Like we've just reached a different level of collecting that I told Paul, I was like, I miss the days where we could just go through a random short box and just see like, oh my God, a Spider-Man filler issue or things like that. You know, now we just look at the back wall and the higher, bigger price books. Well, I don't think it's and I don't mean Well, I don't mean to sound like a douche either. Like it's the different level of collecting that we've evolved to. We've all been collecting for 30 plus years. So... I to say, I don't think it's bougie. It's just that you, when you do it for so long, you start moving away from the lower end books, the books that you that you would see all the time, the books that you'd have no problem getting, the books that you got when you were younger. You know, you're you're you now want to get the harder to find books. Are they more expensive? Yes, but it's not something you can find all the time. So it's, your taste change. You don't want to get the same stuff you're getting before. You might have, like some of us have done, we sold it to get something. That was harder to find. There's something to be said about digging in comic book boxes at conventions. And agreed. I've done it plenty of times, and I think everybody that's collecting has done it at least a couple times in their collecting lifetime. You run the possibility of finding a book that might have got missed, that might have not been known about to the actual dealer. Mm-hmm. There's always that element of surprise that the next book you flick with your finger is going to be i'm not going to say a hulk 181 because that's probably not going to happen but an independent if you go back to our independent podcast there's a bunch of books in the independent style that a lot of them get missed so there's something to be said about going through these books and going through these boxes but at the same time i 100 agree with you like i don't want to go through that at this level yeah i just want to look at the wall books or if the guy says Hey, that box has wall books that just didn't fit on the wall. Then I'll go through that box. Yeah. But to actually start flipping through 50 long boxes, 30 long boxes, 10 long boxes. I I don't have the patience for that anymore. I mean, even if you guys listen to our treasury podcast, I love treasury books trying to make the whole run. Even those have elevated to the wall. Yeah. Like there, whenever you would see a treasury box, there are few and far between at conventions. I was always digging through them. I'm like, oh, I'm missing this one. I just saw the Smurfs, which was the last one that was produced by Marvel that I didn't have in my collection that I picked up. So it was always one of those things. But the last two cons that we've been to, they've had treasury books on the wall. And they are, they're not the regular treasury books. They're like the harder to find ones, the first ones, you know, the independent, the ones that had lower print runs. Correct. So it's, 
it's sort of that even the niche hobbies have sort of elevated to the wall. Well, it 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 it, it says a lot too that these treasuries that are going on the wall are. I mean, you have most of the filler ones, for lack of a better term, mm-hmm. the easy to find ones. Yeah, there are treasuries that are harder to find that the dealers know, so they put on the wall. Yeah, so. Once you get past all of those filler ones, now you have to go to these bigger ones. And if a dealer knows what he has, then he'll put it on the wall. Yeah, I mean, even at Daytona, we dealt with Gene and Tom that runs it. While I was getting it, he was like, oh, that's one you barely see anymore. Right. And it's true. You never see it at a con. Like, that was the first time I ever saw it in person. You see it online all the time. And I always say, like, I like to find it out in the wild yeah. versus, let's be real, any book you want, you can find on IG or eBay right now. Basically, yeah. It sort of turned into that whole, you know, just the wall books or just the high level. And then we sort of felt it more at New York Comic Con because of the two books that we purchased for our PC. Even the dealers were like, damn, if it was another book, I'd give you a deal. But you don't see this book too often. And we know they're not BSing us because we know those books. Yeah. So what was the book you got, Paul? So I got the Tales of Horror number eight, the... The big snake wrapped around the Empire State Building, which mm-hmm. was, you know, kind of like homage to New York being a New York Comic Con. Yeah. And it's a book you barely see. I think I've seen it. I I, I, I learned about the book years ago and right before it popped on people's radar. And all of a sudden, in the last couple of years, like you can't find that book. And when you find it, it's expensive. Mm-hmm. I think we saw three at the show. Yeah. One was uh, up for auction. And then the one I got, and then another dealer had another copy. Shout out to the person that we got it from, Geek Inc. Geek Inc., yeah. Very Geek cool. Inc. They had they had a very boutique-style setup. Yeah. Everything was slabbed, and they had like these display cases where all the books were shining a light on top of them. Like It was all properly like laid out. Yeah, it was glass display cases. The light was great. or They're all priced. Everything mm. was easily visible. Yeah, it wasn't like all these books and you have no idea what the price is. And no, it's like, okay, there's the price. And he had a, you know, he had his, he had his full run of, you know, big time books. He had his Hulk 181s. He had his ASM ones. He had all the books that you expect to find at a big Comic Con. He had a plethora of horror books, Tales mm-hmm. from the Crypt, Crime, um, Romance yeah. from the Golden Age. Like he had them all and in his boxes. His boxes were full of like key slabs. So and then the one that drew my attention was that Tales of Horror because I've always, been on the lookout for that book mm-hmm. and you know of course i go up to him i tell him ask him about the book we talk we start talking about the book i make him a, i make him an offer make him a reasonable offer and he's like any other book any other superhero book i would have taken it but this book you barely find it like i wouldn't mind keeping it he's like i, I fluctuate on the price because i price it even higher than what it is i mean you're, you're gonna get a good deal at that price yeah so he worked with me and uh, we ended up making a deal, and I ended up taking the book home. Yeah. And then um, I had the same situation. Uh, shout out to Harley Yee. I think everybody knows him. He's a staple at all these massive conventions. He had the Mickey Mouse magazine, the Christmas issue. It's a, it's a low-key first appearance because it's the first appearance of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. But it's also from 1937, and it's Mickey dressed as Santa Claus on the cover. Now, I purchased one of these probably last year, a 3.5. He had a 6.5 on the wall. And I was like, damn, Harley. Like, I walked around, and then we were leaving the con, and I wasn't following my own advice. When <laughs> I say, like, when you see it at a con, get it. Because if you know it's a hard-to-find book, it's no, you know it's not going to come up so often. I kept telling him, Jimmy, ready to go? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, you sure? 
You, sh- you want to go look at that book again? Jimmy, you're here. You might not see it again. And then as we were about to get on the escalator, I was like, let me go get it. <laughs> <laughs> and I, same thing, gave him an offer. And he's like, listen, I just got that in September. You don't see that book. Sure enough, you don't see that book. If he tells me, oh, you don't see an ASM 6, please. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you see that book all the time. But he was like, why do you like it? I'm like, oh, I got a lower copy. I want to upgrade. It's Mickey and it's Christmas. And it's like, yeah, it's Christmas and Mickey. That, that was his thing. And sure enough, pulled the trigger, got the book. And that was the only one we saw at that con. We saw three of the Tales of Horror. We only saw one of those. And you don't see the book. You barely see it online. Yeah, the first time I saw it was the one that you bought. Mm-hmm. And that's one you don't see online. Like, I even went, I was like, let me see how many there are on the census. And let me see this. Minimal copies. There's only one raw book out right now on eBay. And you never see that book online. Or even on IG with everybody. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, those, and those are the books that we're gravitating towards now. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, you want a Hulk 181? Yeah. Take your pick. You want an AF-15? Take your pick. Yeah. Any other book, any other superhero book, take your pick. Mm-hmm. It's still hard to find, you know, older books that are, are or or really independent books with low print runs. Yes. TMNT. TMNT one first print. Yeah. You rarely see it. Like I saw a bunch of third prints. Yeah. But I didn't see any first prints. But you're not going to find those books by going through a long box. No. Unless you pick up a collection, a private collection, and, you know, that person just so happened to have it. But other than that, you're not going to find those. Just laying around somewhere. Yeah. You're not going to find that at a garage sale. Or you might. You might. At a garage sale, maybe. Someone think who, about someone Not in Miami. You know? Not in Miami, no. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe maybe in the Northeast. Uh, you, you do say the Gables does have some hidden gems in there. Because there are people that bought those houses in the 50s and they haven't moved. Where are they? Though? They've had kids, you know, yeah. everything. And luckily life happens and you'll know where those collections might be. And then it's also, you know, all these conventions, we've made friends. You know, you buy from these people, you see these people all the time, you strike a conversation with them. And we do see a lot of our friends out in these conventions. We ran into Chef Boy. Yeah. Finally saw Chef Boy after dealing with him so many times on our live sales. Yep. Um, yeah, Ed. So that was cool. Shout out to Ed. Um, but then it's also, as we become, I don't know what to call it without sounding like a douche. You're going to sound like a douche, you say it. Elevated collectors. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Uh, no, I think George said it best. Your, your taste change. Your taste change. Refine yeah. your palate. Just like any collection. Hey, as you get older, you don't want to. You, you don't want to keep collecting the same stuff you got. When you, that was easy to get. You want to get the stuff that's harder to get. Mm-hmm. It might be more expensive, so it, it now becomes. It's more difficult. What does a collector want to get? What's the more exclusive thing? What's the more? What's the more harder to get book? You start gravitating towards things that are harder to get. That becomes the pinnacle of your collection. Oh man, there's only four of these, or there's only. F- Three of these left. I had to, you know, I had to wait in line forever because there was one guy who never wanted to get rid of it and he finally wants to sell. Like that becomes the rush when you're collecting, yeah. when you get to the point where where it gets more and more rare. Mm-hmm. And as the older we get, the more times by those older books from the thirties are gonna be impossible to find. It's eighty five years old. Yeah. They either fall apart or or people forget about them, they get damaged or whatever. It's gonna happen. It's gonna right. get to the point where like there's books that are going to disappear. What have we always what have we always said? If we would have kept every book that we've had, we'd have all these major keys, all these spec books that have come up. All these yeah. books, we've had them. Yeah. We've had them and we've flipped them. But we've used that 
to collect the stuff that we want for our PC. Correct. Which is at the end, it's 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 mostly everybody's end game, right? You like yeah. you you move stuff to get stuff. Yeah. How many uh, New Mutants ninety eight have we had? A bunch, right? And uh, you know, I have no desire for that book. Me either, but I'd rather have that book and move it to put towards a big key or a big book that I want for my PC than to keep it in my PC. And I love it how we talk about that book in George Eyes, his New Mutants 98. Yeah. That's well, because I have one over there. I know you have one. And yeah, it's one of those books where, yes, if I could sell it to get something else, I, I would. Of course, you can get it again anytime. Yeah. yeah. They're easy to find. You can, you can, you can again, yeah. it's going to be to a point where you could find like a low-grade copy. It's right. going to be to the point where you flip over a rock. Oh, there's a New yeah, Mutants 98 or a New Mutants 87 cable. Yeah. Look, I refuse it's to not, buy it. It's not at the spot level, but yeah. I refuse to pay any. I refuse to pay more than a dollar for that book. For which one? For New Mutants 98. The only ones I've ever had are have come through collections. So yeah. if you price out the collection. It's less than a dollar. <laughs> it's less than a dollar. But for me to actively go pay more than a dollar for that book, hell no. Not, not me. But anyway. See, for me, I enjoy because I, I enjoyed the character. Even before, you know, Ryan Reynolds made him, blew him up. It's just the, like the hype of that book, and it, I mean, there's. It was hyped up because of the thousands movie. of copies of that book out there, man. It's but it was hyped up because of the movie, just yeah. like just like more most of the Marvel books now are hyped up because the movie comes out. It's like, why didn't you like it before the movie came out? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I, if, if I can get a copy in a collection and flip it and get something that I want, of for course, it, all like, day. Whenever we pick up collections, we always look at it and we're like, should we keep anything? And then it's like, let me instantly, yeah, we're gonna sell that back. Oh yeah. Even yeah, if it's for twenty dollars, depending yeah. on the condition. Like oh no, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, because hey, you might not want it, but someone else does. Of course, that's the beauty of this thing. There's always someone that's gonna want it more than you. There's yeah. there's a possibility that you're gonna find a collection with like ten copies of that book, yeah. and ten copies will be up for sale. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? I think that at the time when one eighty one came out, I think people were like that too. Yeah, like the collectors were like, no, I'd rather get the westerns or the romance or something like that. I don't want the new stuff. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe Numian 98 becomes one of those books that blows up like 181 is blowing up right now. Dude, I'll be 200 years from now. Yeah. Well, 181 always goes up and down, you know. <laughs> In the year 2222. Exactly. Rob Liefeld's a, a, a screen somewhere. Yeah. He, he's a, he a Futurama. He's a face drug. He uploaded his consciousness and he still still can't draw feet. <laughs> <laughs> Not even AI. <laughs> the exclusive game has gotten out of hand. Ugh. Unfortunately, yes. And this is just us talking the amount of exclusives. There were some cool ones. And I will say, like, the moment I saw the exclusive list for New York Comic Con, besides him being our friend, I was like, I want the Illish Shredder. That yes. was a fantastic cover. Yeah. So that was one book that I wanted, I got, and that's for my PC. Right. I can flip it right now, I'm sure, but I'm not going to. We waited in line. We got a couple of exclusives, and then we were just like, oh, these sold out, these sold out. And then as we were checking the feeds, because we went on Friday, Saturday was like, surprise drop of the Miles Morales exclusive. I'm like, bro, come on now. It's, it's. I mean, unfortunately, recently, you know, there, there's been several events that have taken place that have just kind of like smeared the exclusive game. Mm -hmm. But not so much that, I mean... Before it was one 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 con one exclusive. Now it's seventy five exclusive for one con. Now it's dealer exclusive exclusives. Now it's retail exclusives. Now it's exclusive exclusives. It's you know numbered exclusive, non numbered exclusive. You know Virgin as opposed to uh, trade dress. Mm -hmm. It's just so many options nowadays that you even the even the even Marvel and DC do it. Yeah. How many variants do they drop and how many exclusives do they drop? Retailer exclusives, I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, listen, you guys know we're fans of certain things, and Gargoyles is coming out with a new series. 
uh, by Dynamite. So Disney lent out the the publishing rights to Dynamite. There's seven exclusives. Mm-hmm. There's seven covers. Sorry, I'm like, God damn, man! They can't just bring out one, maybe two. No, because people buy them. It's it's looking like the '90s when when variant covers went went on a rampage, and then mm-hmm. they stopped. They're like, hey, it's too much. Over the last three years, it's come back. I, I think even more than before because people are buying it, and people aren't buying the book. They're buying the cover. Bro, just go go print out a uh, uh, go print out the cover. They're buying books just for the cover. They're but they're reading. also buying and not reading. Dude, exactly. give George the hammer, bro, because he hit it. That he hit it right on the freaking head, man. Nineties. It's exactly the same thing that happened in the 90s. And, and that almost ruined Marvel. Yeah. That doing that almost ruined them. But now the community and the flippers and the resellers have sort of fed into that Marvel. And well, that's, I think that's one of the main issues there is that. Because a lot of those exclusive covers now, they're not coming from the publisher. And that's what's, what's going to happen now. Is the retailers are going to get ruined. They're going to ruin themselves. Yeah. Well, we have uh, two good buddies here that run stores, um, A&M Comics and... Uh, John Fresh Comics. Uh, that's not the name of the store. What's the name of the store? Frank's. Frank's, Frank's, Frank's Comics. John Fresh. We just know him as Fresh. <laughs> uh, but I asked him, I'm like, hey, did you see this? He's like, yeah, I'm only going to get three covers. Because yeah. they're like 12 covers and so many things. He's like, that's too much. Between that and everything else and a local comic shop, like, it's gotten out of hand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even he said it. He's like, it's the 90s all over. Again. It's gotten out of hand, yeah. But now they have the retailers bankrolling their own exclusives mm-hmm. so if you can't sell out now you're stuck with dead stock and with that transition guys magic city's dropping an exclusive comic <laughs> no, we're not we're not an we're exclusive good. acetate cover <laughs> yeah. we're not we're not well you gotta spin a wheel to be able to win it <laughs> we're not we're not is, we're gonna I play carny th- games for our exclusives i thought people were gonna be like and hey, they're dropping an exclusive the best bro so exclusive we're gonna be pumping them out as you order them yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna say an unpopular opinion right now i hate rifle uh, rob lightfield's art <laughs> i don't know about unpopular i though. wouldn't say it's unpopular <laughs> <laughs> no there was sarcasm in that but <laughs> there's people that like it but when you've been around the songs we have, like when we saw him start out and the fact that his art looks the same as it did when he was like 20 years old, there's a problem. But you know what? Somebody's art that, you know, looks similar, but I enjoy and I like it depending on the character, J. Scott Campbell. But his art has evolved since he started. If you look, yes. Danger go, Girl and Scarlet Witch. Go look at what he has now and what he had before. And you're, there's a, he's now... All his artwork now looks the same. When you look at his older stuff, there was a difference, and you could tell the characters. He's now gone to like the pinup look, where like they all have, they're all, they all have a certain body type. Now, before you, we have after Danger Girl, he kind of stuck to one look, and kind of refined it, but it's all kind of the same. Rob Liefeld's art looks exactly as the day he probably left like art school. So this is, art a, this is an open invitation, Rob Lightfield. If you want to come on, the dude, podcast. jump in. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. You can't. You still can't draw feet. You, <laughs> we know it. You know it. It's all good. You know, Rob, you got, pr- prove everybody wrong. Come on live and draw <laughs> feet. Draw feet. <laughs> Listen, he, he he hit on some characters and he and he's written it. And hey, if you're gonna do something, do one thing well. You know, you can make a living a living out of it. But there's been no evolution. All his contemporaries, all I mean, their art has evolved. But look at also like Michael Cho. You know, like, they're very similar but different. I would love to have a Michael Cho piece. And I tried to bid on one, but God, I'll bid. I got an unpopular opinion. 
Is it really unpopular or was it like me? Oh, no. This is going to be unpopular. Oh, what? Alex Ross art is overhyped. I'd have to disagree with you there. Exactly. He's got a, he's got a certain style. He like does it. some characters extremely well. Other characters seem forced, and I could see where you're coming with this. His DC stuff is better than his Marvel stuff. Yes. But it's that hyper-realistic... I wouldn't say DC better than Marvel. I would say certain characters he nails perfectly. His old Batman. Marvel stuff is good. He nails perfectly. Batman, Superman, his DC, no, uh, I, Green Lantern, and Flash. Like he nail he the expression that they have on their faces and they're covered. Like he's able to nail it. But I do believe he does a great Spider Man. Dude, but his Marvel stuff is excellent, especially like in the in the nineties and uh, late nineties, early two thousands. Eh. Like the new Black Panther cover, I'm not a fan, but that's no, just but, me. No, but I'm talking about like his older stuff. I from like the early 2000s, Avengers. His DC stuff is a lot better than his Marvel stuff, but I, in general, I think, I think he's overrated. Yeah, I said it. I think because his, me, his yeah, but his style isn't like <laughs> isn't like the regular comic book style. He he paints. Plus, he thinks he's like a Renaissance artist because he charges like a million dollars. Yeah, for but he the dude, pieces, listen, the dude, the dude paints. He gets his models. Every character that he paints. Their costumes look like someone sewed it. Like, they don't look like some crazy design. They look like a super thin piece of fabric. Like, they look like Golden Age Yeah, costumes. exactly. Yeah, he, he, And that's that's his thing. Like, he goes with the Golden Age characters with yeah, the older style I, characters. I, I still say his best art and a phenomenal story, Kingdom Come. Yes. Like, it was mechanical. It was realistic. It was aged. It was everything. You know who does amazing, amazing artwork when it comes to fabrics and costumes? Lee Bermejo. Lieber Mejo does good art, yes. That guy's, I don't like his Joker, but his Daredevil, uh, he has like the, the gloves and he's got like the lacing on the gloves yeah. and the way the fabric, the way he draws a fabric, phenomenal art. And this completely transgressed into an artist podcast when we were talking about the community <laughs> and totally. we started with Peach, but yeah, that'll be another topic for another day. <laughs> yeah, we'll go into it more. But um, yeah, let us know what you guys feel, like what level of collecting are you in right now and... How are you progressing? And let us know what you feel about the comic community with some of the things we discussed. Guys, thanks for watching the video. If you like it, appease the algorithm gods. Hit the like bell. Hit the like button. Leave a comment. Subscribe. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok and any other social media platform. Thanks for watching.